Look alive, sunshine. The question is not when you're gonna stop, but who is gonna stop you. The electric centaur, the democrat, the revolution will not be televised. Do not adjust your podcast station. This is not an apparition. It's not a ghost. What you're listening to is a new episode of the Grindhouse Podcast. Now, I know we've been away for just a little bit, a fortnight, if you will, where you've missed us, or maybe you didn't. I don't know, but we're back. And not only are we back, but we're back with my very most um, special and honored introduction of a co-host, because this week... And maybe going forward, my guest on the show is none other than your favorite mistress of the mailbag and now my current wife. Maybe it's Mrs. Ophelia now. Is it Mrs. Ophelia? You're, yeah, you're no longer Miss Ophelia. You're Mrs. Ophelia now. Oh. Yes, Miss Mrs. Ophelia Von Love Touch. <laughs> Not no has it ever will it be will be my name. What was the name that you you wanted as a last name? Remember we were like watching some movie and you're like that's gonna be my it was like Von something Cumber Snatch or something. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know what it was. No, I have no idea. It's gonna be if you've ever listened to our other podcast, Coffins and Coffee, you know that you're in store for a very politically correct podcast going forward. Um, but yes, we're for the only the second. Did we do a grindhouse while we were in Australia or Europe? No, right? I don't think so. No. No. So I think I mean we did a we did like a a call in segment once. I think when mm. one of the times I went to Australia, but this is the first time that you've been on as a co host in person. It definitely in person, I believe, on this show. So uh, I thought it would be really fun to talk about something that I know uh, is one of your favorite topics. Something that we talk about privately all the time. And that's slasher films. Yes. And why they need to make a comeback. They do. But before we get into that topic, I got to do a little bit of house cleaning because as I noted at the top of the show, this, we have not been on the air for the last two weeks. And I'd like to explain just why. Um, I, when getting back, coming back from Atlanta, had anticipated taking the rest of the year off, or at least most of the year off. And therefore, I would have plenty of uninterrupted, unrushed time. To do the, the Grindhouse podcast. <laughs> Lol jokes. Yeah. Or for that matter, Coffins <laughs> of Coffee, which is not, we've not done one in like three weeks. Our three listeners will be so upset. It's like five. But um, <laughs> million, five million. But but uh, what occurred was when I got back, I got sort of, um, I agreed to do two pilots back to back. I did Let's Be Real, a political puppet satire show for Fox. That aired, um, I don't know, a couple weeks ago maybe now yeah. by the time you listen to this. And then I did a, a pilot for Nickelodeon. So I uh, unexpectedly got very, very busy. Plus, as we've also noted, I got married. Well, we got married. Not just me. Because that would be awkward. <laughs> just you got married? Just I'm like, 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 what? Like if I just like, go to the store for like a pack of smoke. I don't smoke. Uh, drink, Jack. <laughs> And uh, some pumpkin beer, some pumpkin spice lattes, and PSLs. <laughs> yeah. And then I just come back with a wife. Surprise. Happy birthday. <laughs> I'm like, so what happened? <laughs> yeah, exactly. Exactly. At least, at least uh, no naked ladies walked into the house unexpectedly. So there's no major surprises. I mean, not into the house, but... That's right. I mean, while in the house, right. that's fine. Right. Yeah. So anywho, <laughs> the point of all that is life just happened and uh, found a way 
to keep me from recording the podcast. The other thing that you may be wondering about, sure, maybe you excuse me for not having uh, time to necessarily devote to the show like I normally do, but our witch tournament. Mm. I know that we were two weeks behind on that as well. And unfortunately, we're just going to have to be two weeks later to the resolution than I had originally intended. I sort of aligned it up so that it would fall right at Halloween. And unfortunately, what has also occurred is the week, the first week that I missed the the podcast, for whatever reason, in our Instagram stories, we were, we were doing um, Rosemary's Baby versus Eve's, Eve's Bayou. And, um, you know, Instagram is just one of those super buggy social media pr- platforms that's trying to brainwash you into oblivion. And for whatever reason... Every time I posted the poll... I wouldn't let you click on it. It wouldn't, wouldn't let you yeah. select anything. And yeah. it wasn't just me, right? Like No, you, you, I couldn't either. Yeah, so I don't know what happened. So I had no votes for the whole week. So here's what we're going to do. New episode, new season, new me, who dis? <laughs> we're just going to do it over again. So this week, hopefully Instagram works and I can actually tally votes. So we're going to do Eve's Bayou versus Rosemary's Baby. So again, I have to remind you that the, the our couch, our very antique looking creepy couch, uh, creaks a lot. That's when you know Mrs. Ophelia's having fun. Um, if the so couch is falling apart, don't come and knock it. Well, there you go. It's, it's actually haunted, I think. Um, but yeah, so we're just going to do Eve's Bayou versus Rosemary's Baby again this week. Hopefully this time I actually get to vote because your votes matter. <laughs> And I want to be able to collect them. I had thought originally about just like flipping a coin, but I just didn't think that was cool. And then when the next week got super slammed as well, it just was like, okay, that's just we're just to do a new chapter. Because hmm. now we're in October. It is officially the start of spooky season. And Woo. what is more synonymous with spooky season other than PSLs and uh, sexy carrot costumes during Halloween? Then that is... Slasher movies. Yes. Of of a certain generation, our generation certainly, uh, they were like, that was our introduction into horror films. You know, for most of us, I think that um, if we think all the way back to what our first, the first horror movie that we remember seeing, it's it's likely at least to be some kind of slasher film. Would you agree? Yeah, definitely. 100%. Because they were huge in like... The 80s. Yeah, way back right. in the e olden days. I'm a I'm a grandmother now. I'm a that's, grandmother. That's how old I am. Uh, Sixteen. <laughs> grandmother. Yeah, in the in the 80s, uh, those were like the genre that dominated horror movies. Uh, do you remember, Ms. Ophelia? Do you remember by any chance, like what? What your first? Well, what's your first horror film? And then, what was your first slasher? If they weren't the same movie, I'm pretty sure it's it, my first horror film is either one of two. It's either Pet Cemetery or Excellent. or um, Nightmare on Elm Street. I can't remember which one because I remember there used to be a late night horror thing that used to happen back home. Um, every like Saturday night or something, and I remember Pet Cemetery being on there. But I also remember having a vague recollection of getting out Nightmare on Elm Street on VHS. Ooh, nice! As a weekly, um, <laughs> so what's a weekly? Like a, a weekly rental, so oh, not, yes, not yeah. like overnight, like you a video to. store. Yeah, yeah. Uh, remember, remember video store blockbuster? Oh uh, yeah, Hollywood Video. Do you guys have Hollywood Video there? No, probably because we're in Australia. <laughs> 
you guys have Hollywood Land, Hollywood World. What's that? What's that amusement park? Who movie you? World. Yeah, Movie World. <laughs> a bunch of American movies in that world. I mean, I didn't see a lot of Aussie films. It was like no Mad Max or like a <laughs> Sophie's Choice or Wolf Creek. Wolf Creek is fantastic. Yeah, it's Australian, <laughs> and it wasn't a movie world. It was only American movies. Yeah, I don't think they could have Wolf Creek rides at a family amusement park. Well, we, if you recall, we went during Halloween times, so they absolutely could have had Wolf Creek as Wolf's one of the Week? <laughs> Wolf's Creek. Wolf Creek. It's for the little ones. <laughs> That's in the kitty section. Where's the cat? I don't know. <laughs> this is becoming coffins and coffee really quickly. Yeah, I'm I, sorry. Listen, I warned you guys, but but. I think I think honestly I think Nightmare on Elm Street might have been one as well. So I, I so uh, did you guys have TP, TBS in Australia? No. So it's Turner Broadcasting System, right? It's one of the uh, it's one of the cable channels. And when I was a kid, TBS and I think they they might still do this. They they aired a lot of old movies. Yeah. Like a lot of the channel was older films, right? So. I was obviously a bit too young to be in. Th- I mean, but I think the first movie I saw in theaters, like as an, you know, on my own, was like Die Hard with a Vengeance. So it was many, many years after the Slasher phase, yeah. Uh, which I think I snuck into because I wasn't of age by then. I think mine was um, Starship Troopers. Oh, nice! That's a good one. It makes you want to kill myself. Movies, dog shit. No, it's not. It's way underrated. Cast your votes. Yeah, do Does you, Starship Troopers I, fucking suck? I think if yes. you go back and rewatch it, and you and you realize that it's a satire, it's a fucking excellent. I think I will not go back and rewatch. We're it. gonna do that. So, um, so I think that on TBS, I must have watched like the TV version of either Nightmare on Elm Street, the original, or maybe like, like I I kind of as a kid remember seeing what was the Jason movie that that doesn't have Jason Voorhees. Or Pamela Voorhees, where there was like a copycat killer. Do you remember? Was that like oh, five? Um, I was watching a YouTube about this very thing the other day, and you know, I cannot remember for the life of me. Well, you guys know they're, 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 it wasn't. I get. I don't remember it being like the worst Jason movie of all time. I want to say it's five, but it's with a copycat Jason, where it's not actually Jason Voorhees. It's just a dude who's in the prosthetic mask that pretends to be him. It uh, is five. Yeah. Uh, a new beginning. A new beginning. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. They they did, apparently didn't learn from Halloween three that <sighs> in the slasher genre you can't just replace the the killer. You know, like you can you can sort of replace. Um, you can cut. Apparently, someone like me didn't know to turn his phone off of vibrate. All right. Um, you know, you you can do like in the case of Scream, for example, you can change the killer, but the. Iconography, yeah, exactly, same. and and it's not you can't really do that with Jason, you know, because it's like he, it's Jason, it's just him, right? He's like, the film. Yes, like, like yes, he has an iconic look, but outside of Pamela Voorhees, you just he is a being, yeah. a force of nature. So, anyways, that one, um, Halloween, of course, one and two seem to be on there a lot, and then like Prom Night. You remember the original yeah. Prom Night? Yeah, that one was one of those those films I just remember seeing really really early on. My first sort of, this isn't a film per se, but my first experience with horror, however, was Michael Jackson's Thriller. I have the making of Thriller on VHS. It's excellent. It's fantastic. I remember, I think I've mentioned that on either this podcast or Coffins and Coffee before. Like, when I very first saw that VHS, I think my uncle gave it to me for some reason. Anyway, um, 
I was like, yes, I want to do movie effects makeup. That's what I want to do. You like, still could. I still could, but I'm lazy. <laughs> it's too late. I'm only 36. I'm old. Well, grandmother. <laughs> not to my knowledge. I'm so, shit, mine neither. <laughs> <laughs> um, I think like not only are like slasher films sort of tied to our um, our upbringing, you know, or sort of our, to our childhood, but there was something really iconic about that time in monster movies and horror films that for many, many people still rings true and they still miss those slasher films. And it feels like they lost, they lost, they, they went out of vogue for a little while and then kind of had a resurgence in the 90s, which also corresponds with our teen years, right? Right. But then kind of turn the turn of the century, like they, they've been around, of course, so never went away fully, but they're definitely not what they were. They're definitely not the force that they were where like every other, every company was doing some right. kind of slasher. I think the problem is that like a lot of, like when you, when you look at slashes, there's only so much you can sort of do. Like I think now it's been done. Like we've, we've seen the guy in the backseat of the car. We've seen the guy with the hook hand. We've seen the guy that's venge- you know, avenging their dad's death. We've seen, you know, it's it's the same thing over and over again. And I think you can only there's only a really limited amount of formulas you get before it's like, oh, okay, we've 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 seen this. It's yeah. <laughs> One of the things that is I, I've said this often in the show before was that slasher <laughs> films in general were indicative of like Reagan's America. Genuine fears at the time, like ladies, don't go to the gas station, leave your car right. unlocked. Someone will get into your car. Like that was like a legitimate, and I think that's why that film Urban Legends did so well because they mm. were all like actual stories, like right. that we'd heard, and a lot of them were like, "Oh, don't have like premarital sex, don't get drunk with your friends, and travel home alone, like don't hitchhike." Like it's all sort of based on legitimate fears of that time. Like right, and I've heard people sort of have the take that horror movies uh, or slasher films specifically were very like um, conservative you know that because the, the killer kills those who quote unquote sin yeah that that the filmmakers behind it must have had some sort of sort of uh, you know puritanical Christian conservative view of morality and I actually don't think that's the case at all I think it's quite the opposite because the thing that is killing these kids is a creature it's a, it's a horrific monster it's an evil entity yeah. right and yes over time those entities because they're so iconic become really cool in, within the context of the movie your Leatherfaces your Michael Myers your Jason Voorhees your Freddy Kruegers these are villains these are the bad yeah. guys so the people who are stowing these puritanical death sentences were not meant to be the heroes of the film nor reflective of the filmmaker's intent I don't assume right right but you had Reagan's just say no. You had, um, you know, people coming to understand what AIDS was, right? And fear about, mm-hmm. you know, promiscuous sex and what that might lead to. Um, you had people even, you know, like the heyday of serial killers was probably like the late 60s into the mid 70s. Yeah. But you still had like the, the what was it, the Night uh, Stalker? Night Stalker, yeah. Yeah, you know, he's still around right in the early 80s. You know, he had that heavy metal kind of look mm-hmm. and... Um, I, I again, I you know, Halloween was uh, late '70s, so it was right in that golden era, for lack of a better term, golden era of serial killer. And a lot of these serial killers, uh, uh, you know, focus their their horrible attacks on women. Yeah. And it's I don't think that's any secret that this monster, this creature, this villain, 
is punishing people for using you know cigarettes and and drugs and sex yeah. right normal teenage activities and that the uh, protagonists were almost well a the victims but also the protagonists were almost entirely women who had yeah. to escape this yeah, evil entity true. right this this imposition of um, judgment you know this death judgment on them yeah so it makes sense well as times evolved and cultures evolved that you know slashes of the 80s which were so earnest but like to your point really get recycled pretty fast yeah. like to the point where like um you can guarantee that the the final girl is going to be a virgin yes right because she's pure and uh the you know the the largely endowed woman will be one of the ones <laughs> who a not only has the nudity scene, the obligatory nudity scene. Probably but die first. But probably die first, yeah. right? And uh, you wouldn't last long in a horror film. Uh, <laughs> and, you know, you got the, the person who runs, inexplicably runs up the stairs, right? And, and Oh, every goddamn time I'm like, bitch, ran out the front door. And you could just, you know, on and on and yeah. on, like a... Uh, you know, it's just stupid behavior always, right? I think that's... I think, though, that is why... Films like Scream did so well because it was aware of its tropes and it played on all of them and it just did them so well it just gave zero fucks. Well, that's the thing, right? Like, there was the natural progression because from the point that you're at where, you know, I don't know if you guys already had him and I don't assume that this would have been your toy of choice, but did you guys have He-Man in Australia? Yeah. Okay, so He-Man, have you ever watched like... um, you know, the toys that define us or whatever, like those documentaries you can get on Netflix. Yeah. He-Man was massively popular, right? Like incredibly popular. I think we watched a documentary about this. Wasn't yeah. that, um, what was that documentary? I think it was called like the toys that define us or the toys that, something like something that. Something yeah. that effect, right? But what happened was you had this initial massive, like astronomical success of the He-Man franchise and the characters in the toy line to the point where they just started churning out all these random, like, you know, secondary and, and uh, further back, like, side characters, you right. know? And they oversaturated the market with all these other characters that at a certain point, like, people just stopped caring. Were you ever that kid, though, that you go to the toy store and like, hell yeah, I'm going to go buy this toy. It's going to be so freaking good. And you get there and all that's left is this shitty sidekick. Like when you go to buy Ninja Turtles and all that's there is like Bebop and Rocksteady. You're like, I don't want these. I want the Ninja Turtles. Um, none left. I I don't recall that specifically. I liked sidekicks. <laughs> like whenever I was a kid and I'd like daydream about being a superhero, I'd always want to be Robin, not Batman. <laughs> you know, it just seemed like that was my place as a child. Um, and I had I had all four Ninja Turtles, and I had the uh, Ninja Turtle van. Yeah, the van was sick. Yeah, and I had and I did have. Did you have Be- the blimp? I did not have the blimp, but uh, my cousin Mandy, shout out to Mandy, she always had a lot, a lot of the toys. And she, between our both of our collections, we would make up the entirety yeah. of the series. Um, I had the fly, I had Baxter. Baxter? Yes. My guy. <laughs> um, and I did have Bebop, but only because I mistakenly gave away a G.I. Joe, this boxer G.I. Joe. I don't remember his name now. So I'm sure some listener will be able to message me and tell me about the boxer. He had a he had like a like some sort of armored mask. Oh, okay. And then he kind of, he kind of, you know what he looked like? He looked like if you took a character from Mad Max and you put boxing gloves on him. 
<laughs> True story. So I traded this for Bebop. So I did have Bebop also. But my point being is that slashers got so oversaturated in the 80s. And um, I think what... I think that the, in the initial conception of the genres, there was only so many places you could take yeah. it. But I thought I think what kept it sort of um, maybe past its natural expir- expiration point was that it was also that golden age of makeup effects, and so oh, you could kind of get practical by, effects. Yeah, you could kind of get by with like cool practical effects and just the the uh, iconicness of the characters and uh, you know your obligatory nudity scenes and that mm-hmm. was just kind of enough to get keep you going but it did get a point where like much like hair metal it just wasn't cool anymore you know bring it back i hate cgi oh i know but i'm not just talking about practical effects i'm talking about the slasher genre in general like yeah. it become a joke at that point so the only natural place that it could go was those sort of uh, self-aware meta films that this is the I know what you did last summer yep. and Scream and you know it's no, no surprise that Scream was directed by one of the early pioneers of the original sort of first gen slasher films right Wes Craven mm-hmm. who'd already experimented a little bit with this sort of idea of like meta horror making with um, A New Nightmare do you remember that one? yeah where, where Freddy comes into the yep. real world underrated film I was going to say, I love that film. That film gets so much shit, but I'm like, it's great. Shut up. It was awesome, but it was so different at the time, right? Right. It took a few years later to where, like, I think he wanted to, he knew he had to experiment with this genre, which had already sort of hit its peak. And he tried to do it within the context of a a series. But again, much like the much much maligned Halloween 3, that's not what people wanted to see. Right. You know? But with Scream, you had a, you had a, a fresh new group of young cast. Mm-hmm. You had a very iconic looking killer, and you were able to. You know, uh, um, Kevin Williamson, I think, fresh up uh, Dawson's Creek or something. Maybe he was right at the time. Right. And then um, you know, slick production look, not that that grainy, cheesy look of the eighties. <laughs> you know, and still kept within practical effects. Yeah. And I think people were really, you know, there was a whole crop of young, hot people. The Nev Campbell, Skeet Urich. Um, Rose uh, McGowan. Rose McGowan. Uh, just Jennifer Love Hewitt. Yeah. Um, Ryan Philippi. Like, uh, you can go on. Uh, Sir Michelle yeah. Gellar. Like, go on and on and on. There was this, these young, hot actors. And it was like this perfect time to, like, revitalize the genre in a way that was very, again, self-aware. Kind of tongue-in-cheek, but didn't wasn't satire it wasn't mm. parody it was just we we know the rules we know you know the rules and we're going to turn the rules on their head You're right right, right. but what then comes you, you get past uh scream 3 was terrible you know you start getting into the new millennial millennium and uh and they just they just don't i mean you know they're around but they don't just seem to be in vogue anymore right yeah and if they are around, they're remakes. There's a lot of remakes and sequels coming out. Yes. Actually, in fact, this year, if not for uh, the real horror villain of this 2020 world that we're living in, COVID-19, a lot of these remakes and, and sequels would have been coming out this year. Yeah. I mean, next, next year alone that I know of, we've got... Uh, another Halloween. We've got two Halloweens next year, isn't there? Or are they yeah. releasing one next year? No, they're going to release two, both of them the same year. Yeah, I think I think the original plan was they were going to release one this year and one next year. And now they're going to release the one that was scheduled for this year, next year, and then and then the other one as 
originally planned. Yeah. So, like, next year we've got, like, the two Halloween films. Uh, we've got... Is, is the new Scream coming out next year? I see 2022. They've announced it. Yeah, I don't know if it's... It, yeah, probably 2022. Um, they've got, right. like, a Candyman remake. Like, Which actually looks pretty exciting. There's, I mean, I don't know how I feel about it. It's probably the same way I feel about the Croft remake. I'm like... Mm-hmm. I mean, we have it in fairness. We have not watched that movie. However, I feel very justified in saying that the, the trailer did nothing for me. Uh, I looked, hated it. Looked, I fucking hated it. Yeah. But, but why, why do you think... So you have all these slasher films that are coming out in the form of remakes and sequels and and sort of soft reboots and, and, and the like. There's obviously some nostalgia built into slasher films. Why is it that it feels like it hasn't returned to the same glory that it had in the 80s and in its in its resurgence in the 90s? Like why why is there no third wave of of, of original slashers coming out? Like I said, I think it's all been done. Like unless you can think of something that's truly like out of this I think at this point anything truly out of this world and different is going to be borderline absurd like not that like Jason goes to space oh my fucking god do you want another run of films that are fucking Jason goes to was it Jason X oh yeah yeah it was Jason X yeah Jason goes to hell but Jason X is in space yes who where he should fight machete in space Mm, predator predator versus Jason versus alien Versus Machete. <laughs> it's going to be like a five-minute movie because Machete don't fuck around. No, nah, he would kill everybody. Um, but, there, but but why... Like, you know, like, there's a term within horror that is sort of garnered very sort of ill thoughts and, and some um, vitriol towards, but um, art house horror. Have you heard that term? Art house horror. Yeah, kind of like the A23 type movies, like... Um, uh, or to maybe to a lesser degree, Blumhouse films like um, uh, you know Get Out or The Witch or you know um, Tusk or I would call it uh, Tusk Art House. It's very art house. <laughs> you love that movie it's so, so much. Great. It's so great. It's just so good. People are gonna come out. It, it's gonna be like Rocket Horror Picture Show. Like like many years and down the line, you're gonna start seeing more and more young directors talking about the influence that Tusk had on them growing up. It was so weird and wacky, but wow! No. Movies like The Witch, right, or movies like Us and Get Out, these sort of, or the the, the Invisible Man remake, right? These social political commentaries within the world of, of horror, and um, I guess the, the, there's some people that feel like some some horror fans that maybe feel that the movies are trying to be above the genre. Yeah. Do you know what I'm saying? Yeah. No, I definitely see that. I think a lot of those sort of slasher type films um, now are sort of frowned upon as like, you know, it's, it's like if you do horror, it's like you're taking the easy way out or you're lazy or like it's yeah. tacky. Um, whereas I love like old shitty horror films with like practical effects. Like I watched The Blob the other day. The oh, it was dope. excellent. It's so good. Yeah, like, Kevin Dillon? Yeah. Was it rocking him? feathered mullet thing it's beautiful it was amazing it was a thing of beauty it's my new thing <laughs> but like you know I think we were watching a um, there was a documentary on YouTube about, about um, 80s horror films and they were saying that I think it was one of the Return of the Living Dead films I want to say where 
for intestines, they're like, oh, what's a better thing to use for intestines other than intestines? So they went down to the butcher shop. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Tell me about that. Bought a bunch of pig's intestines, and then it didn't occur to them, like, oh, shit, these are going to go rancid. So we'll just keep reusing them. (laughs) And um, you would see, like, a lot of the, the actors sort of grimacing, like, they're acting as zombies, but they were legitimately, like in disgust at how rancid this rotting meat was that they reused for like five days <laughs> you know yeah that's gotta like, be pretty vile that shit's cool like well because it had charm right and because it felt tangible and mm. sometimes even like the bad compositing you know bad by our standards today even that still has like a a, a stylized aesthetic yeah. to it and you could sort of overlook some of the repeated tropes that that existed within the genre um Obviously, there's nostalgia for it, but it, it feels like there's not really that new... For whatever reason, right? If horror, the best horror of a generation always reflects the anxieties of said, you know, generation, society. Mm. Why it feels like, you know, a lot of these current flicks that are coming out, these sort of uh, social political horror films that are coming out, why they haven't really used the um, the slasher genre too much. Like... Like Black Christmas tried to, but again they they took a they took a retread right they took a right. title they took an old story and they they tried like I've seen that where like try to retrofit an old story yeah. to make it but it never is it doesn't seem like it often works no it doesn't land quite right no it always feels a little forced it doesn't really because because you're trying to take a um, a structure that existed within a within a certain amount of time a certain period of time and you're trying to apply it with modern sensibilities mm. and it doesn't ever seem to really mesh in a meaningful way. Yeah. No, 100%. Like, what, did you, this isn't a slasher, but did you see The Invisible Man? The new one? Yeah. I fucking hated it. Why? It was just... I don't know. Was, see, I, like, didn't mind the original. It was decent, right? But yeah. the new one, I was like, it's... I think, again, it was just... It was too CGI. It looked too fake. Like, to me, like, a lot of CGI stuff looks bullshit. It looks more bullshit than if you, I don't know, get the bloody paper mache out and some <laughs> well, PVA glue, you know? I, I have a theory on that. <laughs> I have this belief that when things look, you know, very much, you could tell that it's a, you know, it's an animatronic mm. or it's a... Um, you know, puppeteering or stop motion, something that's very clearly not reality. Mm. You sort of accept it as real yeah. because it's within the world that you're living in. Just right. like exactly, just like yes. you you believe that you know Elijah Wood is a hobbit compared to yeah. you know um, whatever. Like it, just you you've bought into the world that they've built mm-hmm. with CGI. My feeling is that it's just too close to reality. But not enough. Like, right. Do you remember the very first uh, Terminator? Yes. <laughs> I knew that you would because you're a big fan of that. Yes. Um, the first Terminator film, there's... I, I don't remember the exact dialogue, but there's a bit of dialogue where they're talking about the difference between, like, whatever model came before the T-800, mm-hmm. where they had skin, but it was too rubbery. You could spot them right away. Yeah. And I feel like that's the instance with CGI. Like, maybe it will get to a point one day when it's indistinguishable from reality, but it's not there yet. It's right. like the model before the T-800. It's, it, it looks human from far away, but up close, the skin is rubbery and yeah. fake and shiny and just not 
it takes you out of it. Right. I think even with uh, like practical effects and you and the use of prosthetics and uh, puppetry and all that sort of stuff, I think as well that feels more real because it is something that is it's tangible. Like right. it's there. You can see it. Like if if you could reach into your TV, you could physically reach in and touch it. Whereas like you see things in CGI. Like you look at like Avatar. That was amazing cgi for the time but it still managed to look incredibly fake because you know yeah. that's not real of course like, it looks like a video game yeah right exactly so it's like it, <clears throat> it despite being you know the best possible cgi we had at the time still looked more fake than i don't know using real intestines <laughs> for sure yeah being ripped Maybe out more of like sanitary a, yeah <laughs> but if if you know, if slasher films have sort of hit their pinnacle or they've just, you know, their their expiration date has come and gone and they're just, a, mm-hmm. the, at best, you're just going to get these terrible or to mediocre remakes. What is the, what are the horror films that are speaking to young people today? You know what I'm saying? Like, it, like another aspect of slashers from both the 80s and the 90s period was that much of the same way that you had those sort of coming of age films mm. like Can't Hardly Wait or Empire Records or uh, whatever, you know, what's uh, Days and Confused. Mm-hmm. Horror films in, in their own unique way were kind of that as well, right? It was like a, it centered around young people doing young people things, yes. yeah, and, and having to face the oppressiveness of a society that's instilling its own morality upon them or attempting to, right, in a very symbolic, metaphorical, mm. and horrific manner. What are the movies now that are doing that? Like, I, I love The Witch. I don't know that The Witch is for a 15-year-old, <laughs> you know? See, this is the thing, like... And this is, again... This is, might be a thing that makes, like, slasher and horror movies very hard. It's like, the younger people now, it's a really different world. And I think they did try to sort of latch onto that sort of, sort of thing when they made films like um, Unfriended. Right, uh-huh. Because, um, like, oh, kids were engrossed in technology. Like, blah, blah, blah. Here's the internet. Or, you know, whereas, like, in the days of those slashes, kids were sneaking out of their houses to go to, like, you know, to go park with their boyfriends. But at, you, like, don't th- you don't think people, you know, kids are doing that now? Except now, instead of just parking to go make out with their boyfriend, they're, like, they're like sneaking out of their house to go have, like, menage a trois at, at, at swinger parties? I was thinking... I was like, while doing crack cocaine? I know, but that doesn't seem like young people behavior, does it? That's, that's adult behavior. Well, that's my point. My right? point is maybe young people... I don't know. I'm not a young person. I have no connection to what they do these days. <laughs> Hello, fellow young people. Hello. Yes, I'm busy shouting out clouds about why there's too much CGI in my movies. <laughs> but, but like... The nurses are stealing my money. <laughs> don't you think there's got to be a way to implement current young people's culture... You know, especially really young people who are like those the Zoomer generation, Zen, Gen Z or whatever we're on now, negative one, that are like pretty nihilistic, you know, grown up in a world where they've only ever had technology, like super fast technology, cell phones, internet, et cetera, et cetera, social media influencing your thoughts at every turn. Like, don't you feel like it's it's beyond time for some version of a horror film to to you know capture that that sort of generation's lifestyle and the fears and the anxieties that they're feeling and and that there is maybe some way to revitalize the slasher genre without just retreading what's come before no i i mean i i think it as well it's going to come down to studios i think we're having this conversation the other day studios are too scared of taking risks now 
Yeah. Like, you've only got, um, you know, they're only wanting to put money into for sure franchises. And you look at the movies that are getting remakes, and they were big films when they came out, right? So you got Candyman, like, things like that. They were huge. Like, and they're just remaking all that sort of stuff. We've got, like, a remake of Hellraiser. We've got, like, a Hellraiser series coming out. Like, do you remember when they did that, um, Nightmare on Elm, was it Nightmare on Elm Street they did a series? Um. Do you remember that? Freddy's Nightmare? No, it was a series. Yeah, Freddy's Nightmare. Was it? Yeah, that's real old, though. <laughs> that was, like, that was still, like, in the yeah. ni- early 90s. Early, early 90s. Early 90s, right. But I think, you know, rather than taking chances on, like, new stuff, they're like, oh, no, it's been done. We'll just rehash well, it's sad. Did you ever watch, um, oh, God, I, forgive me. Maybe, if you don't mind looking up, the actress, the young actress from the It movies, she was in a series on Netflix, uh, and it had a very provocative title, if I remember correctly. The original one? The original? Which no, the, It the, movies? The, the new It movies. Yeah, speaking of remakes. <laughs> which were good. The first one was good. The second so one was So, the... the... The 2017 one. Yeah, so the young actress who's in that show... Uh, in that movie, she did a uh, season. Sophia one... Lillis, that one. Yeah, that sounds right. She did a series. They only it only ran one season on Netflix. Let's have a look. I'm not okay. I'm not okay. Oh, yeah, that... I'm not okay with this. Yes, I'm not okay with this. So, I don't. I don't suppose you ever watched any of that, did you? No, I don't watch trash. It's not trash. It was actually really good. It was really. It was well. It was interesting, and I didn't get the chance to watch all of it to sort of get to where it was, but it. It opens with that actress doused in blood. She's just from head to toe covered in blood. And she's freaking out and walking down the alleyway. And then it rewinds. And you're like building to this moment that you know is horrific in some level. Yeah. But you don't understand why. And it's got it's got a very it's very heavily influenced by like the movie Carrie. For I was example. just gonna say <laughs> Very, very much so. We've seen that. But but I thought it was it did a pretty good job of capturing like what young people might be experiencing today without feeling like you're just retreading the way it was portrayed in the 80s. And they canned it, did they? After one season, yeah. And it wasn't a slasher. Like, it was, again, more mm. in the vein of, like, a Carrie-type supernatural-esque movie, mm. you know. But, but yeah, it, it doesn't, you know, didn't last. And, um, you know, the movies that are the most popular right now, outside of your art house film, is, like, the you know, the Conjuring series. And mm. it's a lot of supernatural stuff, right? Yeah, that's true. But have you seen a movie with young people specifically that sort of captures the anxiety of like, you know, 2020 or even, I mean, I'm not even talking about COVID, just like even like the last couple of years. Not that I can think of. No. It feels like that. There's... Maybe, maybe like the most recent one I can think of is maybe like, and not a horror film at all, but like the Perks of Being a Wallflower. But again, that was a book, wasn't it? That's a book. So it's a remake. That's a book that I read when I was in like in high school. Yeah. So yeah, I mean, it wasn't a remake. I don't think they'd made a movie before, but yes, it was. Yeah. It was an old, not an original idea. Exactly. Exactly. So I I wonder, you for those of you who do not know, Mrs. Ophelia is a quite talented writer, screenwriter for in her own right. (laughs) Let's just do a quick little exercise. Why don't we? try to come up with a concept that captures modern anxieties amongst young people as people in our late to mid-30s and exist firmly within the realm of of slasher. Okay. Okay. Any ideas? What do you got? (laughs) 
Come on. It's putting you on the spot. I'm going to give people my ideas. No, this is their ideas. We're work for hire. So we, we work for the people on this show. Who's paying me? The people are paying you. <laughs> are they? In love. love One love. One love and two exposures. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> you will get at the end of this exercise copy, credit, and if you're lucky, a meal. Yeah, fuck your meals already eaten. <laughs> <laughs> well, what's a, what's like an idea? Like I, you know the the show I've, I think I've talked about this before. A show that I thought that this was a series that I thought did a decent job of of capturing it. Is that the dog snoring? It is the dog snoring. There, <laughs> if you listen to this podcast, you're used to hearing Sophie in the background snoring. Um, but uh, was American his, American Horror Story season eight? I think Cult, which was. Did again a decent job capturing that post two thousand sixteen mm. political anxiety between like the yeah. right and the left. I mean, granted, yeah. this wasn't really about young people. I mean, Evan Peters plays a young person, but the the protagonist is a middle aged person. But I thought I did a decent job of that. And God, this year with you know, think about some of the atrocities that just twenty twenty has brought. Right. You have. Um, the ongoing assault of police on people of color, particularly black males, mm-hmm. right? Which leads to the Black Lives Matters marches. You have a, a despot fascist of a president, mm-hmm. right? Who is um, using the police as sort of his own personal security and who oftentimes threatens to roll back basic human rights and, um, you know, maybe. Put people's lives at risk with not with withholding information about a potentially lethal pandemic. You could go on and on and on, right? Yep. This is really like uh, tyranny from above, right? Yep. Political tyranny, authoritative tyranny, right? Um, you have the virus itself, mm-hmm. right? And the so, isolation. Yeah, man versus nature. The isolation, exactly. Yeah. Um, there's like uh, just in this one year alone, and, and we have you know beyond just the, the tyranny of a of a despot political figure right you also have the warring tribalism between two sides right friends and families split apart because of different political ideologies um you have uh people who are um the QAnon, right all that conspiracy theory shit oh, the hashtag, yeah. yeah save the children all that stuff baby, baby paste magic baby hollywood paste you know this is baby one paste i mean hell the smear some baby paste what the Fuck, man. They've watched too many Elizabeth Bathory it's a films. Pizzagate? Pizza Gate? Yeah. Fuck? Yeah. This is what I'm talking Get about. off the internet and please go and watch The Social Dilemma. For Ex- fuck's sake. Unless you're on the internet listening to this podcast. That doesn't in, count. In you're which not case, us, continue like... to listen to this yes. because we're awesome and we love you. So, <laughs> um, but that, this is one year alone. I'm sure I'm forgetting things, right? We had We had fires. We had, uh, um, God, what was the other thing? We had, the year started with fires. It went into coronavirus. I think at one point, World War Three was threatened to be started. Uh, I mean, uh, murder, murder hornets. What happened to the murder hornets? I feel bad for them. They didn't really get very long. They get their full 15 minutes. They got like three minutes. But where are they? They're pieced out already. They got, The murder hornets came to America, and they're like, fuck, fuck this. this. This place is already too whack. And they went back. <laughs> Aliens? Do you remember them aliens? Damn aliens. Yeah. We, did, we talked about this on Coffins and Coffee not that long ago yeah, as well. Yeah, hashtag Tom DeLong was right. Yeah. Uh, there's just, again, in one year alone, there are so many things you could tap into. And and especially, you know, the thing about slasher films, and, and this might seem like a contradiction to the genre that is 
predominantly, you know, made famous by these larger than life, supernatural esque villains, right? But I feel like slash the magic of slasher films is that they're very grounded. Mm. You know, it's not like two space aliens fighting. It's not uh, Marines versus a uh, giant monster. It's young people having to deal with this extraordinary situation. And I feel like that's why, even even though the monsters might be kind of supernatural, what are their weapons? A cleaver, right? <laughs> a machete. Uh, claws. I think you'll find it's pronounced machete. Machete. <laughs> a chainsaw. You know, like sharp object, hence the name Slasher, yeah. right? Simple household stuff was a hook, right? I'm sure. How many so- times have we seen a guy with a hook for a hand? Exactly. I'm sure someone used like a, a tomahawk. I, I might believe Valentine used a, the coal miner's pick. Yep. Um, any sharp object hmm. could be turned into an iconic weapon in this genre because it was grounded because even though the, the creatures might be monsters the villains might be monsters the situation was real right or as real as it could be within the sort of stylized world well if you if you could make a slasher film based on like 2020 experiences of the young people what would you make it about I think that um I think, and I, I know that this genre, I, I feel like this a film like this has been done before, but I feel like, as a person of color, something that I can identify with, especially when I was a young man, was the, the paranoia of being perceived as a predator, as mm. a young Hispanic male, right? It's something that I'm still, to this day, very sensitive to. And I know that people... You know, there's like a current trend within the internet of like all men are trash, all men are predators, all this and that, and probably justifiably so. But no, I mean, there's a lot of terrible people. That's so, its broad strokes of the big brush. Like I'm just saying, there's a lot of bad dudes in the world, and I get it. So yeah. I understand it. That being said, being perceived as a predator by largely Caucasian women by merely existing in, by by virtue of things I was born with. Excuse my penis and brown skin. Yeah, my brown penis. Nonetheless, my brown penis. Maybe it was a pasty pink. I might be okay, but that's but not baby paste. No, not baby paste. That's a different story. No. But so to me, like I, I, maybe like some sort of like um, stalking kind of thing between like the police. Like imagine if you were like a young Hispanic male, and like this police officer's wife, like tried to seduce you but you were but you rejected her or maybe that doesn't even happen at all maybe she just is paranoid by your existence and it leads her cop her her cop husband or boyfriend no yeah it wouldn't be the cop's husband because then he'd be getting cucked by someone else so let's say that the cop is cucking someone else right and he's like she gets freaks out because there's like a mexican dude in the neighborhood and then this cop starts going around and stalking this guy maybe starts killing his friends killing the pets or whatever you know boiling bunnies or what have you like I feel like that could people could resonate even though this is a very hyper stylized version of it people could resonate with that paranoia that they feel not only from the police especially those who are people of color but also um, being viewed as a predator like you know just by your things you were born into your existence Mm. well I had just now (laughs) Because my mind is stupid. 
Remember, your okay. mic is excellent. So the other night, me and Dave had an experience where we ordered. Oh, from... it was. We've <laughs> we... had a few of those. Oh my... No, not those ones. Oh. Um, we ordered sushi from Grubhub. Yes. Okay. Oh. And uh, said our order was delivered. Okay, open the door. Sure as shit, there was no sushi at our front door, and um, uh, David texted the driver and said oh stuff's not here and the driver's like i sent you a photo i dropped it off to your apartment i'm like well didn't because i'm standing at my apartment door there's nothing here and the guy was being a fucking smart ass all right like oh and and i even said to to dave i was like don't like you know make him mad like he knows where you live like so clearly he doesn't okay well (laughs) Well, he's got it. He's got the address, like Does in his GPS, right? I'm not that worried. He clearly can't so, find it. <laughs> so, what if <laughs> the horror movie premise was there's a DoorDash driver, and one night he gets that one client just pisses him off and is rude. It's like how they always say, like, like taxi driver, it's like taxi driver, or fade and to black. It's like if you get taxi driver and the Joker and mix it together, but it's fucking DoorDash, <laughs> or fade to black. Or Fade to Black. Which was a 1980s horror film that we watched recently on Shudder. Hashtag Shudder. Shout out to Shudder. Um, not sponsored. But... Not sponsored yet. But, <laughs> but like that Hashtag one, yet. Shudder. I mean, obviously that's a 1980s movie. Fade to Black. Uh, it's it, a slasher. It's so fucking good. Yeah. And it was... A, when we started watching the film, it was kind of like... What is this? What this is, is this? so cheesy. Yeah. What the hell? And but, then I was like, oh. 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 I mean, there are scenes that feel like Joker's straight up lifted out of that flick. Okay, so the guy, um, the main character, um, Eric, who's played by Dennis Christopher, I don't think he's been in anything else that I know of. Nothing notably doesn't seem like. Um, so he's a a movie buff um, who, I think he works, it's not really made clear about what his actual job is. He works... He works s- in some sort of printing company for films. Yeah, like some menial role, but in the film like, industry. He like distribution where he makes copies of... Right, yeah. exactly. Um, and he gets like he knocked back by this woman who looks like Marilyn Monroe and... But who's an Aussie, who's, so I could relate who's to Who's an Aussie, yeah. She's extremely Australian. I was like, well, bitch... Holla. Um, basically, he goes on kind of a killing spree, but uh, no spoilers. But it's a 1980s film, so I think that there's a 40 year old cap on spoilers. Well, I'd never heard of it. Yeah, that's true. It right, was so, an un, un, unfound gem. Right, right, exactly. So, but it did have a lot of Joker esque qualities. Like, even the point of like one of the very final scenes is almost the same as one of the very final scenes in the Joker. Yeah. I'm not going to say which one, but I think I mean, obviously Joker was influenced by Scorsese's Taxi Driver and King of Comedy. And I would say that Fade to Black is probably very influenced by Taxi Driver as well. Yeah. So they probably share a, a similar route, but the characterization of the character from Fade to Black and the character in Joker seems to be far more aligned with each other yes. than than uh, the character from, say, Taxi Driver, right? Yeah, even down to the scene where... Um, I guess this doesn't really spoil anything, but down to the scene where, in Fade to Black, um, this character, Eric, is painting his face in the mirror. And it's very reminiscent of the Joker where he's sitting there and he's doing his makeup. Like, it's... Yeah. it's it, there's a... It, it's, yeah... It's a great flick. It's a great flick. And so, um, where are we going? <laughs> Other than it's awesome, I got distracted. 
Oh, well, yeah, but, yeah, but they're very similar to that, right? Kind right. of your concept where it's like, it's like that idea that the loner, that the cra- that the loner just is like one one bad day away yeah. from sort of losing it. You know? Exactly. Do you remember, there was a, uh, I think this was like a popular video online. There were several of them, like how easy it can be to be victimized, right? Like I remember mm-hmm. uh, they would show you like how easy it is for to get your drink drugged. Yeah. And how quick it can occur, right? Did you ever see that the video of that girl that's like dancing at an outdoor festival and she's holding her cup out? She's like dancing and a guy literally walks past her and puts something in her drink. No. And you see it, she's like taking a selfie video of herself and you like walk past her and like drops it in her cup. No, but I saw a video where a guy was like intentionally drugging a girl, but then he would stop her and be like, no, look. And he would show them the tape backwards. He's like, this is how easy it is. Like, that was their he whole thing. He was actually drugging them, though? Well, he wasn't drugging them. He was... Dr- I don't know what he was actually drugging. It might have been a placebo, but... <laughs> he actually just roofied a bitch? But he would he would, he would, would actually slip something into someone's drink, and then, not, not actual drugs, like a Tic Tac or something like that, maybe. It was something that dissolved. Okay. And then before they drink it, he'd stop them. He'd say, stop, I've drugged your drink. Let me show you how easy it was. Yeah. Right? There was also, like... Uh, I feel like there were videos about, that would show, like, um, how easy it was to, like, track women based on their, like, check-ins. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You could, like, find someone anywhere, like, based on their geo-tracking of their photos and when they yeah. checked in and all those kind of things like, it's like that. It's like, remember those My Family stickers people used to put on their cars? No. So they were, like, um, little stick figure Oh, people. yeah, sure. Right. So there was a whole thing coming around where it had this SUV and it had a woman and a dog and, like, three little kids. And, and you know, it was basically pointing out that, like, by having this sticker on your car, you've just shown me that... You're not married. You're a single lady, and you've got two very small children and a probably a little dog or a cat or whatever. Like you just told me everything about you. There's no man in your house. It would be very easy to come and rob you. I've just got to follow you home. Yeah, I mean, like even if it's wrong, it still gives people the impression of information. Yeah. So I think that you could take that. You could you could introduce the the um, paranoia of of how exposed we are Mm -hmm. you know um there's a lot i think there's a lot of territory and it would lend itself to be rooted in something you know like is as 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 much as i love like a robert eggert film you know or ari aster like midsummer or hereditary um even if you like like the james wan type produced films like they're all so hyper real yeah. Like, I feel like you could really bring this back down to a more intimate, scary realm that Slasher seems to lend itself to and and get some new mileage out of a, a genre that has been kind of... I mean, I know someone's going to get back to me and be like, oh, let me list these XYZ Slasher films that came out that, like, 10 people watched. But I was going to say, but let me ask you this. Were they good? Yeah, like... that's the other thing to, to <laughs> keep in mind. So, um, you know, I think that if movies... Again, we're... For better or for worse, you know, we're in a fertile land of anxieties and there's a lot to pull from to revitalize this and, and try to introduce a new generation to slasher films in a way that means something to them. Yeah. Not just fucking retreads and reboots and, and refreshes remakes and, and remakes reimaginings and, and, re, uh, and whatever. Refried? <laughs> It's all free and it's all fried. That's right. All right. So uh, we have an audience question. We do. And we thought since we're both uh, live, we said, fuck it. We'll do a live. <laughs> so we're just going to do a live. So uh, so you do the creaky sound. I'll do the voice. And and then you can just answer your question live. And, so, and I don't have to edit it in later. Okay. It's great. Okay. <clears throat> 
right, here's what we'll do. We'll count down. <laughs> okay, count down to the creaky sound. There's too much whiskey in my side. Or... Okay, I barely put any. So uh, it's going to be one, two, three, and then start the creaky sound. Okay? So on three or after three? After three. <laughs> Are we ready? Okay. Okay. One, ah, ah, ah. <laughs> two, two, ah, ah, ah. Three. Oh, so you're going to do three three times? Uh, uh, uh. <laughs> Questions from the crypt. <laughs> and then, doom, doom. Yeah, door slam. That's a door slamming. <laughs> Perfect. Okay. Judas, the Hollywood hobro, asks, What do you think of Cineworld, parent company of Regal in the USA, closing 536 theatres in the USA alone, affecting 40,000 employees, which doesn't even include its UK properties closing? Uh, It's a bummer. I mean, from the perspective, I think we've got questions like this before, but from the perspective of, you know, what was it? Was that number of 40,000 people being displaced or out of work or laid off or whatever, you know? Um, fuck, man, that's a lot of people who just lost their livelihood, or at least a portion of their livelihood, yeah. right? And uh, how many theaters did it say it was closing? 500 or something like that? 536 or 436? Yeah, you know, I'm sure that's a lot of people's... In some places, some small towns, that might be the only theater that they have. Yeah. You know, they might have to drive to a major city to see a movie, and that sucks, you know? That's someone who believes in the magic of cinema. It's a real bummer. On the flip side, I, I think that it's um, there's a lot of fault to go around, and, and I think it's it's actually uh, relevant to our conversation about why there's so many remakes instead of original films. When even within the genre of slasher, when there's such a fertile ground to draw from, yeah, and it's risk adversement. You know, it's an op- it, it, movies are so expensive now. It's can't afford to take a risk. You can't, yeah. Or I mean, you know, you should, they probably can, but it's people's jobs, right? Yeah. It's executives' jobs. They the the machine works as that everything everything is a house of cards, right? Mm-hmm. Where you got to hit big with a with a huge hit to sort of buoy the studio, and so they just rather put a bunch of money into like you know Avengers ten and spend four hundred dollars, and because they expect they're going to make a million two or a billion two rather, yeah. Or, um, you know, they dump all their their sort of riskier projects onto streaming services, which don't make proper money and whom are uh, have sort of replaced in an insignificant way, um, you know, home to video, the DVD market. Yeah. I mean, like, what did the last Avengers film make? Like $2.8 billion? Yeah, ridiculous, like... right? So even if it even if it was made for, I don't know, $300 million, for example, and even if you assume that a movie has to make double domestically to make its money back, yeah. it's made its money multiple fold, right? right? You could make four more Avengers films with the money that that, mm-hmm. you know, grossed. So... Um, oh my God, can you hear the dog snoring? They can't, oh, but you can. So, so like, you know... There's not that home to DVD, the home to video, home to Blu-ray even. Like, there's not that market the same way anymore. And so uh, movies have to make their money in in really the box office. And so there's just not those same sort of risks taken. So, you know, you've got uh, less diversity in the movies selection available. Mm-hmm. You have the rising cost of theaters in general, 16 bucks. Yeah, for some people, eighteen bucks. We were talking or more. about this yesterday. Yeah, like how much? How much did we work out? Like before you even, 
Like just to get your ticket. Just to get your ticket in in Los Angeles, you're probably looking, you know, for you and I, thirty two bucks. Yeah, and then you're gonna probably pay for parking. Parking is about six bucks, so yep. now you're looking at thirty eight bucks. Yeah, and then bitch is gonna want Mike and Ike's. <laughs> yeah, Some your popcorn. snacks, your refreshments, your drinks. Which your... is probably gonna cost you twice what the tickets cost right. you. So, so you're, you're looking at fifty bucks almost easy on just a date night. Forget if you have kids, right? Yeah. It's just it's just a different market now. So what what's occurred is that you just you're gonna have theaters going out of business. Mm-hmm. They're just they're not the 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 model of of these huge blockbusters booing an entire industry is not sustainable. Right. And there are casualties, and those casualties are most likely going to be the theater chains. But what was really cool was that we saw a a cinema was doing um, over here was doing ninety nine dollars. Yeah. You could, like, guess do private screenings of I don't know what films are on offer, but ninety nine dollars you could book out a little theater and watch a movie with your friends. Yeah, which is excellent. I mean, what, like, what cinema was that? Uh, uh, I think it was uh, American American Cinemateca uh, here in Los Angeles. They do a lot of like small indie screenings, and um, I think if it's the same theater I'm thinking of, they did like I saw Lords of Chaos there, and I've seen um, oh Shutter did a series. Yeah, it's the AMC. You can rent out an AMC theater for $99. Yeah. So mm-hmm. so there's a lot of different options with what you could do there safely. I mean, and we haven't even talked about the COVID aspect, right? Right. So obviously one of the major reasons why the, the cinemas are closing down is because COVID, you know, mo- most theaters aren't open at all. And if they are, there's like, they're trying to show tenant. And of course, most people wisely are not going to the movies right now. It's not safe. No matter what safeguards they say they've put in place. They're definitely not safe by any sort of traditional standard. And so, you know, uh, a, a, a business model that wasn't really built to sustain and an epidemic that has derailed even the structure that it existed in. And I, I think it shows the fragility of this system and how easy it is to knock off its course and why there needs to be an adjustment. There needs to be a return to smaller, more risk-taking uh, movies. You, you need to, you know, to use a, to turn a baseball phrase, right? You got to be able to hit singles and doubles sometimes, not yeah. just always swing for home runs. Mm-hmm. That's not, or, or basketball. You can't always shoot threes unless you're apparently the uh, Golden State Warriors. Like, you have to get, you have to earn your runs in small instances. You can't yeah. all be a big, a big grandstand. So, um, it sucks, but it sometimes you have to, you, you have to tear things down to rebuild them. And, you know, I hope that theaters find a way to maintain. I hope that they learn that you got to, you know, even if it's like a, a pr- pricing tiers, you know, like, yeah. like maybe let's say I always use the example of like the movie 42 with the uh, late Chadwick Bossman who played um, Hank Aaron. Um, and he, he like, he, he, um, he, he, I know, Sophie, <laughs> Sophie's snoring is distracting me. He, you know, he did a movie that was like, um, you know, he, it was a nice little drama, mid, mm-hmm. mid-range drama, right? Yep. Excellent movie, but just buried in the sea of Marvel and DC films, right? Yeah. You, maybe if a movie like 42, for example, is used in, uh, I don't know, a price range of I don't, $6.99, right? Mm-hmm. $9.99. And your Marvel blockbuster movies are fucking, I don't know, twenty nine ninety nine, Right. Right? Nineteen ninety nine, whatever. 
you could then offer incentives for different types of movies to make money. Mm. And um, I know that the idea is like put Avengers 10 in as many screens as possible, but there's got to be a way to substantiate the business yeah. Monday through Friday uh, or, or even Monday through Thursday, for example. And I think there's an opportunity there for theaters to be innovative and to offer more of an experience and not like hokey stuff like 3D or 4D or things of that. And like yeah. even food is fine, but like to a degree, like I think we've saturated even that yeah. angle. I, I think that there's got to be ways to incentivize studios to work with theaters to create more mid-level stuff or maybe even... You know, uh, if if everything is going to go to streaming eventually, give an opportunity for things to be viewed in the theater. Yeah. From streaming, like who wouldn't want to see The Witcher on the big screen? Yeah. You know, I mean, how cool would it have been for uh, the ritual exactly. to be at cinemas? Like that went straight to stri- screaming, the screaming service. Yeah, Halloween puns. That is Um But that went straight to streaming service. That film was great. Yeah. Like that should have been like. Compared to, I'm not a huge fan. I mean, Marvel and DC, okay, like we've had our fill, but like they're, they're fine. I'm, I'm overseeing that at cinemas. Like, show me something else. Like, when was the last time? Do you remember when you used to open a newspaper? Oh, what's playing at the cinemas today? And you'd be like, yeah, oh, right. that very small picture of the poster looks good. We'll go see that. Like, well, I'm very fortunate, and now you're very fortunate to mm-hmm. live in Los Angeles when. In the pre-COVID times, there was the New Beverly. Mm-hmm. There was uh, American Cinematheque. There's the Egyptian. There's, there are a fair amount of smaller theaters that mm-hmm. do show a variety of films, but they're but these are boutique type things, right? Yep. It's like going to the record store. Yeah, it's like they exist, but they're not the same before. Like, you know, those kind of places are gonna figure out a way to stay alive because there's enough nerds like me who are gonna pay money to go see like. I don't know, Vanishing Point at the New Beverly, for example, yeah. in Glorious 35mm. Well, I guess AMC are doing it now, $99. You can there go you and go. lease out a cinema. Like, go support your, your local cinema. Get out there and get some friends and, and go see what they've got on offer. I mean, it'd be, probably also be a chance to see some movies on screen that maybe you didn't get a chance to see when they came out or, you know, came out before your time or whatever. Like, 99 bucks if you get a group of people to go see it. Like, go yeah, do it. would we work out? Like, six people at normal movie yeah. price? Yeah. Movie rates is about a wash. Yeah. Yeah. So get six of your friends. Go do that. Um, and, and even when, when sort of life hopefully res- goes back to normal and uh, we're able to go to movies as we did before, like demand more independent stuff. Demand yeah. some diversity in your movie making. It's essential. I'm convinced of it that movies, the theaters specifically, need to innovate and find ways to s- sustain their business with n- not just blockbusters and not mm. just exorbitant prices in order to stay open mm-hmm. because otherwise you're going to see you're going to see movie theaters and, and the movie theater experience or film you're going to see it go the way of like record stores yeah that's it and you know on that too like don't just go and see your marvel and dc films and then wait for dvd for everything else because otherwise yeah. everything's just going to start or wait for streaming services. Like, who the fuck watches DVDs? Oh, my God. I'm old. I'm a grandmother. We do. <laughs> oh, my God. Um, but, you know, don't wait for, for you know, your at-home releases to watch stuff. Go take a chance on stuff. Go see it at the cinemas. Like, even if you don't know any of the actors, like, yeah. just go do it. Like, I remember when um, A Quiet Place came out. Everyone was like, oh, it's okay. Yeah, right. And me and, uh, I think it was me and my friend Martin were bored one night. Well, let's go see a movie. We went and saw it. It's like, oh, this is dope. And it was so much better in the cinema than it would have been at home. 
Yeah, like but all movies are. All movies are. If, yeah. if in if a theater, if the if the um, the the sort of uh, standards that we came to love in a theater, if the the sacredness of the theater is preserved, mm-hmm. right? Then the nothing beats a, a movie going experience in the theater. Yeah, even if know? it's crap, no. even if the movie sucks. Oh yeah, if the movie sucks. I'm saying the, the experience, right? Like, like when people are on their fucking cell phones or <laughs> you know talking really loudly, like that stuff. I'd rather be at home, right? In yeah. that instance, but but you know, again, if the sanctity of the theater is preserved as it was intended, right? As Chris Nolan yeah. intended, then then nothing beats that and we shouldn't lose that but Mm -hmm. we're gonna lose that if we don't figure out a model that can sustain you know months of a pandemic or whatever it may be right we've got to find ways to keep it you know soluble so anyways that's my rant it's bummer man sucks sucks that people are out of work that's lame and hopefully hopefully they're able to we're able to figure it all out because losing cinema would be a travesty I feel especially since you work in film especially since I work in film <laughs> um, so with that I think we're going to wrap it up and I think that in the spirit well first and foremost don't forget this week we're doing a redo a remake a reboot oh, a reimagining God. of uh, Eve's Bayou versus Rosemary's Baby for the title well the, for the next round of, of the Supreme Witch Tournament so I'll post that post haste on our Instagram mm-hmm. story. You can also go find the slash app. I think they already posted. Go find the slash app, post again, respond again if you haven't voted there yet. That's another way to do it. Our partners in this tournament. Um, and also thank you. Thank you for coming on the show. Thank you for coming uh, to America. Coming to America. I'm here in the same room. With, we can hold hands. We can. Oh, oh my heart. Yeah, there you go. Oh. See? It's love connection. Otisha floating down the stream <laughs> <laughs> and I think that in the spirit of us earlier do, of us doing this live I think we should do the outro live oh my God. okay so I'll do the monsters theme and you do your outro and we'll do it live okay okay are you ready okay, okay. <clears throat> thank you guys this has been another episode of the grindhouse podcast Adios. You're listening to the Grindhouse Podcast on the Fuck It We're Doing It Live Network. Please follow us on Instagram at Grindhouse Podcast and you can listen to us every Monday-ish on iTunes, SoundCloud and now on Spotify.